0: Right, chapter 9, verse 1, we'll, we'll read together. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk but I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins so he said to the paralyzed man get up take your mat and go home then the man got up and went home when the crowd saw this they were filled with awe and they praised God It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Awesome, Geordie's going to get up and explain that to us.
1: Epic. Thanks, Scotty. Had to jump over those weird squeaky toys to get up here. You guys did pretty good at that. I reckon that was pretty hard. Some people were pretty good at singing. Uh, There's not so much. I'll let you guys work out who I'm talking about. It was pretty tricky. Well, look, my name's Jordan. Uh, If I haven't met you before, it's nice to meet you. bunch of you guys here, that's cool. Um, I want to start by telling you guys a story, all right? I remember hearing about a kid at school. Uh, He was at assembly and he was going to get a merit award. Did you guys have this type of merit award when you were in school? Man, these bad boys were where it was at. I... um, I messaged my mum today and I said, mum, I need a photo of a merit award for my talk tonight and she said, honey, you never got a merit award, but here's one that your sister got. Ouch, ouch, all right, but well done, Megan, for excellent classwork, how exciting, right? Anyway, this guy was waiting for his merit award, he's super stoked, he's sitting in the front row, he is ready and his name gets called. He gets the jitters and he does the walk-up on stage thing and he goes and shakes the principal's hand and he gets his award and at that moment, no one knows where to stand. It doesn't matter how many times you've done it. Everyone's like, where do I, over here, okay? And they work out which step to stand on or whatever and everyone does the weird certificate stance. Do you know the certificate stance? It's this. <laughs> and then they look at it. And it's upside down. it <laughs> And then they do the certificate dance again, right? And so he's doing his certificate dance. He's loving it. He's stoked, but he's unaware that he has a huge problem. Because as he looks out with his stoked certificate smile out, he realizes people aren't looking back the same. Some people over there are laughing. Some people are pointing. Some people are just shocked and kind of looking away. And he's like, what is going on? This is an Australia award, this is sick. So he's, he looks around, he's like, no, nah, nothing's going on here. He, looked, he looks behind him, he's like, nothing's going on there. And then a feeling of dread crosses his face and he looks down, fly undone, <laughs> on the day that he'd gone commando. So it is just... It is just out for people to see. It is not a good time for this kid. Oh, man. Oh, man. And so now whenever I come on stage, I make sure I double check. I think we're all good. I think we're all good for tonight. But there is nothing worse, is there, than being unaware of a huge problem. This kid was very unaware, very unfortunate, right? Now, that's a funny example. It's unaware to be, it's um, nothing worse than being unaware of a huge problem, but it's actually a real tragedy when that happens in real life, isn't there? It? It's really sad when people are unaware that there's a huge problem going on. There was a 14 year old girl called Olivia. Now, Olivia was really smart. She was, you know, she was clever, did well at school, she was sporty, she was athletic, she had a bunch of friends, she had a really good family, she had it all, Olivia had it all. And one night, when her mum went to check on her, she found her on the ground. She checked, she wasn't breathing. Olivia had a heart attack, she was 14, 14 years old. She was rushed to hospital, but they they couldn't save her. She had no idea of this problem that was in her. She had a clot and she had no idea. She was completely unaware of a huge, huge problem. There's nothing worse than being unaware of a huge problem. In that case, it was was a diagnosis, right? She didn't know this thing that was going on in her. If you had a problem a big problem like that, you'd want to know about it, wouldn't you? Even if it was hard to hear the news, you'd want to know about it. Even if to fix that problem you had to do something drastic, something crazy, you'd want to know about it, wouldn't you? Well, tonight, as Scotty said, we're going to hear the God of the universe talk to us in the Bible and He's going to tell us what's up. He's going to tell us what's going on. And we're going to see three things, three big things in Matthew chapter 9 that we just read. We're going to see three big things tonight. And the first one is really hard to hear, but we need to know about it. And that's this we all have a devastating diagnosis. We all have a devastating diagnosis. Come back with me to Matthew chapter 9. Should all have a Bible with you. Up until this point, right, Jesus has been going around, He's been doing a bunch of healing. So, if you were with us last week, you would have seen, you know, He healed a dude with a gross skin disease, He, you know, helped some demon-possessed guys, He calms a storm. So, the word's getting out that if you need healing, this Jesus dude's the guy to go to, right? He's getting to be a pretty big deal. So, let's read chapter 1, chapter 9, sorry, verse 1, says this, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralysed man lying on a mat. We're going to stop there for now. So this guy gets brought to Jesus and he is paralysed. He cannot move at all. Now this same account of this paralysed guy going to Jesus is actually found in another book of the Bible as well, Luke. It says it up here on the screen says this, right? Some men came carrying a paralysed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay before Jesus. When they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. So you've got Jesus, right? He's a popular dude, the news is going around, people are hearing about him and so this place where Jesus was, it was full, right? It was chockers. Have you ever guys have you guys ever tried to get like a parking spot in Erin Affair near Christmas time? That is this, right? You go to Erinar and there's like there's cars where they should be, and then there's cars just in places that you'd never seen a car get to before, and you're like, I don't know how you got there. There's cars on top of cars. It is it's just nuts, right? It's it's Carmageddon at Erin Affair. And and this is like Aaron Affair. It is chockers. Good luck getting a spot to see Jesus at this little heel fest that He's going on. And so these guys rock up and it's full and so they do what any normal person would do, they get on the roof. Why not? So they get the guy up on the roof and they're having a good time doing that and then they just like, well, we can't actually get in from a roof, that's a bit weird. So they just start pulling apart the roof. This is a random guy's house and they're just ripping it apart and they lower him in and he's at the feet of Jesus. That's where this paralysed guy finds himself. Now, as funny as that is, that's actually a really tragic story, isn't it? It's a really tragic story because this guy has no hope. No hope other than Jesus. He is hedging his bets on Jesus being able to heal him. Can you imagine how hard this guy's life might have been? He cannot move. Think of of something you did today, right? Right? Think of something you did today, Uh, get up out of bed, this guy can't do it, brush your teeth, I don't know if they brushed their teeth back then, it was a while ago, right, but he couldn't do it, have a shower, he can't do it, go to the bathroom, he can't do it, his life would have been spent just begging on the side of the road for people to give him money because he couldn't work, he couldn't do anything. This guy had a rough life, he had a huge, huge, obvious problem, he can't move, that's a big problem. And so he's desperate, at just the chance, maybe Jesus can heal me. Maybe this guy can heal me. I'll get my mates to carry me there. We'll get on the roof. We'll vandalise this guy's random house. We'll get to Jesus. Maybe Jesus can heal me. And as he finally lays there at the feet of Jesus, what do you expect Jesus to do? What would you expect at that moment... What would you expect Jesus to say? It's it's pretty obvious, isn't it? This guy's gone to all this effort to heal him of his illness. Jesus has been healing people. We saw it last week. And this guy wants Jesus to do the same thing for him. But check out what Jesus does instead. Verse 2. Read again. Some man brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. What? Why does Jesus do that? Isn't it, you know, isn't it obvious that the, this guy's biggest problem is that he can't move? But with those words, Jesus showed that guy that he had an even bigger problem than that. And it's the same with us. We all have a huge problem that we're unaware of. Sin. He says it there. Sin is our rejection of the God who made us. A rejection of the God who gives us everything that we have. It's an active rebellion against the God of the universe. And it shows itself in countless ways in our life. It shows itself all over the place. It shows, it in the, it shows itself in the way that we, we don't think about or acknowledge the God who made us. For, for some of us, it might mean we just flat out deny that He even exists, while others of us might say that He exists but live in a way that is completely opposite of, of what He would have. It shows itself in our lies, in our gossip, in our anger, in our stealing, in our greed, in our sleeping around, in our getting drunk, it shows itself all throughout our life. Our lives are evidence that we've thrown off God who made us and that we'd rather run our own lives than have Him do it. Imagine you were given a GoPro. I don't own a GoPro, I wish I did, right? But you've got this GoPro and it gets whacked on your head, and it can't be taken off, some weird glue, right? You've got this GoPro, and just like a normal GoPro, everything that you see, the GoPro captures, and it stores in its memory. Everything you hear, everything you say, it records, and it stores it in its memory. But this just isn't any normal GoPro, it's a weird, funky GoPro. Here's what it does, it captures your thoughts, everything you think, it captures It stores everything you feel towards other people. It captures and it stores it. Imagine that you had that on for a month, two months, six months, and it captured everything all the time. How many really of us would be happy for someone to play that in front of everybody? No one. No one would want that. I would be terrified if someone did that with my life. That is a scary thought. Because we know in our heart that we don't live the way we should. We all know it. It's clear that we're sinful. It's clear we've thrown off God and that has earned us two things. One, we are enemies with God. We're not mates, we're not neutral, we're His enemies. And the second is being His enemy brings us His judgment. He is angry at our sin. Now, some of you here tonight, you get that. You get that, you say that's you. You know that you're sinful. You know you deserve that judgment. But others of you are happy to close your eyes and pretend that it's not to say that it's not you. And you know what? I, I kind of get it. I actually kind of get that. We live in one of the best places in the world, I reckon. I love the Central Coast. It is just good stuff all around us. The beaches are great, the people are great, there's a bunch of cool things to do. It is easy to turn a blind eye to people who say that there's something wrong with us. But don't kid yourself... You can't. Things might look all good, things might seem all good, sometimes they might feel all good, but we all have a huge problem that we're often unaware of. We're separated from the God of the universe because of the way we've treated Him, because of our sin. And if that's true, if that that is true, then you've got to come to terms with it. It's not an easy thing to hear, but you've got to come to terms with that diagnosis. It's easy to close your eyes and say, maybe that's not true. I don't want it to be true. But you need to accept the diagnosis. You are sinful. I am sinful, just the same. And until you you do that, you'll fool yourself until it's too late for the problem to be fixed you'll fool yourself until it's too late the god of the universe warns you tonight there is a problem in all of us one that we're largely unaware of it's you're not okay accept this diagnosis and until you accept it you're throwing away the cure for it which there is one There is a cure for that, and the rest of this passage is going to give us that cure. And so, the second big thing that we are going to see tonight is that Jesus is the only cure. Read from verse 2 again with me. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven here, Jesus is showing us that there is the possibility to have our sin forgiven. It can happen. He can do it. That there's a way to have that record of our rebellion and against God wiped clear. That the footage in our GoPro can be gone and Jesus is the one who can do it. He's the only one who can do it. Check out how people respond to that though. Verse 3, at this point, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow's blaspheming. Fellow's a weird word, I'm going to use it more often, I reckon, but these guys aren't happy here. They are not happy in the slightest. They say Jesus is blaspheming, that's a weird word. It just means Jesus is claiming to be God. And they've actually picked up on something, right? <laughs> For, they don't do it very often, right? Because who's the only one who can forgive sin? Surely, the only person who can forgive us is the person that we've wronged. And sin is all about how we've wronged God. And so, here Jesus says, I can forgive you of that, because I am God. I'm the one with the power and the authority to forgive your sin. Check out what he says back to him in verse 4. Knowing their thoughts... Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. See, Jesus is saying, It's easy to say that you can forgive sins, right? I'm going to show you how easy it is right now. Your sin is forgiven. Now, that took me no effort, right? I think I learned all those words by the time I was about 10. Forgiven's a big word, maybe a bit later, I don't know, right? That's easy, though. But the problem with that is that you could never know if that was legit or not. I can say it, but there's no way I could prove it to you if that's all I did, can I? But Jesus does something to show His authority. That's what He does. Verse 6, he heals the dude. Check it out. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralysed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. Jesus is able to heal our biggest problem, to cure our biggest illness, sin. And if he can surely He'd be able to heal a guy of a secondary problem, right? And He does that right then, we just saw it. He just straight up says to a guy who can't move, uh, just get up and get out of here. And He does it. That's weird, right? Imagine being there when that happened. It's wild, but Jesus does it and it works. By showing that He can cure this visible illness that everyone could see... What Jesus is doing is showing I have got the authority to do that which I said I would cure the invisible illness, the bigger illness, the biggest problem of sin. And He's the only one who can do it. He's the only one. And that's the same for us. He's the only one who can forgive our sin. And He's made it possible. He's made it possible by dying, by taking all of our sin, all of the footage from our GoPros and putting it on Himself and as He does that, taking the judgment that God has against our sin and taking it all on Himself. He was counted as a sinner when He'd done nothing wrong, counted as a sinner so that you could be counted as saved. That's what Jesus has done. And it was faith in Jesus that brought the paralysed guy and his mates to Jesus. It was confidence that Jesus is who He says He is. And confidence and trust that Jesus can do what He said He can do. And it's trust in Jesus' death and His resurrection that gives us all we need for salvation. If we would just come to Jesus... And so the question is, an obvious one and a simple one, but is your faith in Jesus? Is your trust in Jesus? Do you trust that Jesus can do what He said He can do? Do you trust that He can forgive your sin every last bit? Because He's the only cure to our biggest problem. Just trying to be a better person will never cut it, because the damage is done. It's already happened. Only by having faith in Jesus can you have your sin forgiven, only by trusting in Him. Now, some of you still aren't sure about the whole Jesus thing, right? And that is cool, we love that you're here, it's so good. You've still got questions about who Jesus is, the things that He did, whether you can even trust what the Bible says about Jesus. Can I urge you, just do something about that. Do something, whether it's tonight chatting to someone who brought you, chatting to me, chatting to one of the older looking crew that you see around. If you're in years 10 to 12, if you're in seniors, right, come to life this week, Tuesday night out in the foyer. Do something about this. Investigate the claims of Jesus because the evidence is clear that Jesus is who he says he is and that he can do the things that he says he can do, that he can forgive us of our sin. But even then, Some of you say, I hear but not me. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the things I've said to people. You don't know the way I've treated people. You don't know the thoughts that I have. God could never forgive someone like me. Well, here's the last thing we'll see tonight. We're almost done. The last thing is that this cure is for Anyone? It's for anyone. I want you to come and read the next part of Matthew with me, from verse 9 onwards. So, Jesus finished doing this stuff. As Jesus went on from there, He saw a man named Matthew. That's the guy who wrote the book Matthew. Pretty cool. right? He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, He told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, that might not seem like a big deal to you, Right? Tell someone to do something, he just goes and does it. But Matthew was a tax collector. And again, you might be like, "Big deal, I don't pay taxes. I'm 14. That's cool, right? But this guy was the worst of the worst. He was the pits. He was a jerk. No one liked this guy, because his job involved going to his own people, going to his mates, taking their money, and giving it to their enemies. That was his job, all right? And what you do on the side is you'd pocket a little bit extra for yourself so you can go on a nice holiday to wherever they go on holidays, right? But these guys were full-on traders. No one liked these guys. They were the worst. They're the jerks. They're like the adult version of the kid who just tells on everyone in class. Ugh, they're so annoying. They give you this little smirk at the end. It's that. Yeah. Slytherin snitches, all right? The worst. He's like the adult version of that. He's taken money from his mates and given it to their enemies. No one liked these guys. They're the worst. They're the pits. And this is the guy, that's the person that Jesus calls to follow him. What? That's the person that Jesus wants. That's crazy. You see it more in verse 10 onwards. Read it with me. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house many tax collectors and and sinners came and ate with Him and His disciples. When the Pharisees, that's the religious guys at the time, saw this, they asked His disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? See, Jesus doesn't just leave it at Matthew, He goes out and He's having dinner with a bunch of tax collectors, a bunch of sinners. Might seem like a weird crew for Jesus to be hanging out with, right? But they're the people that Jesus has come for. They're the people that Jesus came here for. They're the people that Jesus came to save. He's come to fix their biggest problem. There's no wonder that He's going to hang out with them. Check out verse 12. On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. These people are sick with sin. They've got this big problem that they're unaware of. Jesus knows that forgiving them is the only cure. So, of course, he's going to go hang with them. Of course, because he loves them and he's got the cure. Now, if you're someone who's already following Jesus, you're already a Christian, are you like Jesus here? Because he goes and hangs with the sick. He has relationships with the tax collectors and the sinners. Now, many of you are blessed, right, and have a bunch of Christian mates. That is epic. It is a really good thing. And it's a necessary thing if you're going to grow in your love for Jesus. You need Christian mates. But, do you go and seek out friendships with others outside that circle? Those who don't know Jesus. Do you go and show love and show that you care about those at school who don't know Jesus? Maybe those who others don't love at school, at work, at TAFE, wherever it is. Do you find them? Because you know, you know that you have the only cure for them. You know, when they might not, that that they have a big problem that they're unaware of. And you know the cure for it. Imagine you met God. And he said, what have you done with your life? And you said, well, I hung out with my Christian mates at school, I hung out with my Christian mates at youth, and outside of those times, I pretty much I hung out with my Christian mates. What do you think God would say at that moment? What? Just them? You know you have the only cure for everyone else at school. For everyone else at work, for everyone else in your family, for everyone else at TAFE, you knew that you had the only cure for their problem that they didn't even know they had. Why didn't you spend time with them? Why not? Guys, it's really tempting and it's really easy (laughs) to just get stuck in your little holy huddle, to just always hang out with your same Christian mates. It's easy to do that. But Jesus came for the sick. Jesus came for the lost. And you've got the only cure for them. So to be like Jesus means to seek out these people and share the gospel with them. You need to. You've got to. This might mean, at times, saying no to hanging out with your Christian mates. It might mean that you sometimes, you say no to hanging out with your Christian mates so you can go hang with others. And some of you might be thinking, I don't, even, I don't even have any mates who aren't Christian. I only know Christians. You've got to go find some. You've got the cure for everyone at your school who doesn't know Jesus. Share the gospel with people, love people. Because Jesus' heart was for those who needed the cure that He had. And ours should be too. But for those of you here tonight who don't follow Jesus, again, we love that you're here. What is stopping you from trusting Jesus? What is stopping you or preventing you from coming to Jesus and trusting Him now to forgive your sin? It's incredible, right, that right now, on a random Friday night in Erinah, you could have your sin forgiven by the God of the universe. That is a wild thing to think but that's the truth. That the sin that separated you from the God who made you can be wiped away forever. That that can happen in a single moment, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've been, no matter where you've been, that that can be gone forever. Jesus can forgive you, and He wants to forgive you. That's an incredible thing to think, and He wants to do it now. So trust that Jesus is who He says He is, Trust, trust what He says about you, that you've got a problem, and trust that He can do what He says He can do, and cure you of that problem, and bring you back into relationship with the God who loves you. I'm going to pray now, and I'm going to pray and acknowledge those things, <laughs> And if you've decided tonight that you want to change, that you want to have your slate wiped clean, that you want to have your sins forgiven by God, that you want to be right with God and no longer be under His judgment but under His love, that you don't want to be His enemy but His friend who He loves, then I want you to pray along in your own head. And here's three things I'm going to pray so you know what you're saying. First one, God, I know I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. Two, Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that he died for me to take away my sin. And thirdly, please forgive me and help me live for you. And if you want to pray that tonight, do it with me. Let's all bow our heads. Let's pray.